I said it yesterday. Texas is loaded across the board. I mean, they have talent everywhere, especially up front along the offensive and defensive lines, but they have great skill players. TCU, it's been a tough year. They're heavy underdogs. But if they were to pull this upset off, what would have to happen? What would be some of the keys to the game? We'll talk about that next year on Locked on Horn Frogs. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'd love to have some more subscribers. Kind of lost some momentum once we hit 1K. I uh, haven't been hitting it as much. I just want to remind you, if you haven't done that, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us wherever you get, listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Whatever the case may be, you can find us there. Um, tell a friend to listen to the show. You can tweet at me at Simcox Stephen. The show is at Locked On TCU. TCU in Texas this Saturday night. Huge game. I mean, the, the Frogs, if they're going to make a bowl game, they got to win two out of their last three. Baylor seems like, you know, that's a game they should be favored in at home. But obviously, heavy underdogs against Texas. They'll be heavy underdogs when they go to Norman and take on Oklahoma, depending on what the Sooners do here over the next few weeks. Um, and so you're going to have to find a way to steal one of these games. And I said yesterday, this is a very talented Texas team. Um, you know, there's questions about who's going to play quarterback, but I don't think it – I mean, I think it matters. I don't think it's going to flip the game one way or the other, though, just because both guys uh, – Quinn is a better QB, but both players seem to have a handle on this offense and what they want to do. Um, but there is – you know, there is one difference that I think could – make a difference in this game when we talk about keys to the football game. But how could TCU pull this off? If they're going to find a way to have an upset, and they have upset Texas in the past, there have been games where they've been underdogs going into it um, and and not, you know, look like they were um, in, in the best position and they end up winning that game. So how are they going to do it if they find a way to win? To me, the first key is if there's one real weakness with this Texas team, just from a, a stats perspective, or what do they not do well? They are struggling at times to score touchdowns once they get in the red zone. I mean, they're they're not automatic once they find the red zone. Their red zone success rate um, is 98th in the country. They've been down there 37 times. Uh, they've scored 17 touchdowns. So 17 of 36 scoring touchdowns. Now they have scored 29 times. So 29 out of 37 when they're inside the 20 overall. Burt Auburn's a good kicker, and they've made 12 field goals. And they also, I mean, like part of that too is, their games have kind of gone the way their games have gone because their defense has been so good. And because they just have a lot of advantages everywhere, they can play more conservatively. What I mean by that is, you know, if it's, it's fourth and four and you're at the 12 yard line uh, and you have a lead, you can settle for a field goal. Like it's fine to get positive points on that drive, but that would be one way that if TCU could find a, a way to get this victory, they're going to have to force field goals and the red zone can't let Texas get touchdowns um, and can't allow them to start extending that lead. A lot of their wins this year that have been lopsided. It's not like they're putting up 60 points. And that's not a knock against Texas. I just mean, they've won a lot of games, almost like a boa constrictor. Like they they're winning like 38 to six or 35 to seven or whatever the case may be against inferior opponents. They just, they're like, okay, yeah, you might just, the score might be a little closer than you think, but at the end of the day, the game was never close. Like we won handily because we played good defense and we took advantage of our opportunities and settled for field goals. But if TCU is going to find a way to get it done, they have to keep Texas from scoring touchdowns in this football game, force Bird Auburn to kick it, 
keep themselves, you know, either with a lead or in a position within one or two possessions where they can find a way to, to score and get it done, that's going to be a huge key. If there's one thing that Texas hasn't really done extremely well all year long, it's find a way to score when they get in the red zone. And you have to still be in the game. Like, you can't be down – you can't be down 17 points and they settle for a field goal because it's like, well, we're in a comfortable position here. We can just kick it. You have to put pressure on them and force them to kick field goals and continue to stay in the game, you know, as it progresses so you can capitalize on some of those issues. The problem for TCU, as I know many of you who have followed the team will, will understand, is that Texas might be 98th in red zone efficiency. TCU is 124th. They've had 36 attempts this year. They've scored 19 touchdowns. They've only kicked six field goals. So they're 25 of 36 on the season in scoring opportunities. And that's not a huge difference like from, from Texas, but I think it does speak to what I was talking about earlier. One, TCU, I think Sonny Dykes and Kendall Bryles are just trying to be more aggressive. They're also having to be more aggressive because in a lot of these instances, you know, one, Griffin Kells had a tough year kicking the ball. But two, you're trailing or you're trying to stay in the game or you're trying to stay aggressive because – you know, you know, you have to build a big lead to be successful. So TCU is going to have to to buck a trend by being good once they get down inside the 20 and scoring touchdowns. Actually did a pretty good job of that against Texas Tech last week, but Texas Tech has a bad red zone defense. Um, and the, they'll have to find a, a way to hold Texas the field goals when they get in the scoring territory. And that starts with you know, stopping Johnson Brooks. And, I mean, they have great receivers too. Like if, if you're going to sell out on the run – that means that you have to guard Xavier Worthy and you have to find a way to cover um, Adonai Mitchell and Jordan Whittington and all those explosive guys they have on the outside. Kansas State found that out early in the football game last week. That, okay, you can you can come heavy in the run game, but even if Malik Murphy is starting, they're still going to try to take shots down the field and use that vertical passing game. Um, but if they can run the ball successfully, then they're not going to have much of a chance. To, to get this done because they can really dictate how the game goes past that. So red zone efficiency will be a key. It's something Texas has struggled to do. It's really kind of the one glaring thing that you look at and say, okay, maybe they don't do this extremely well. And so TCU is going to have to find a way to capitalize on that. And then when they have the football, if they get in scoring territory, you got to score. Uh, something else TCU is going to have to do that they just haven't done super well all year. Amani Bailey's got to get going. Um, he just was not effective at all against Texas Tech. Really since Josh Hoover took over, he, they haven't been able to run the ball much. Um, and I think part of that is teams are loading the box a little bit. Last week I know there was some chatter about, hey, is Imani missing um, some rush lanes? Is he not able to find a way to, um, you know, cut back and, and get that hidden yardage? You're going to have to run the football and be efficient on first and second down. If you get in third and long with as good as this Texas defensive line is, um, then it's not going to work. So can you run the ball? Can you stay ahead of the chains? Can you stay – um, effective on offense and keep moving down the field and keep away from some of those, you know, silly penalties that sets drives back. But this offense was at their best um, in that stretch of games, and they still struggled at times scoring points in these – or scoring touchdowns in the games. But in that stretch against, like, Houston, SMU, uh, and you can't really throw Nickel State in there because they were uh, an FCS opponent. But Houston, SMU, first half against West Virginia – when they're running the ball well and they're able to use play action off of that and throw the ball down the football field. If TCU can find a way to get back to that, 
then, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for them um, to win this football game. And then the final thing is forcing turnovers. And this is the one area where I feel like it, it does make a difference if, if Quinn doesn't play. Because Quinn Ewers has been really good at protecting the football. He's thrown three interceptions this year, two, and they've all been in a two-week span. Two of those were against Oklahoma, and he was still really effective throwing the ball that day. And then one was against Kansas. But if you can force Texas to turn the ball over, that's what Kansas State did to get back in that football game last week. Forced a fumble. Malik Murphy made a bad decision, threw across his body trying to get a screen pass out there, and he ends up throwing a pick. Give your offense short fields. Give them chances to go make some things happen. Um, and and there could be a path to victory here. But you you have to force turnovers. And, um, again, yours has done a good job of protecting the ball. Maybe that's something if Murphy ends up playing a young QB, you can force him into some mistakes. But that's kind of predicated on can you stop the run game and can you force them into more obvious passing situations where hopefully your DBs can go hunt for the football and make plays. Hidden points are going to be key here. And honestly, like from a, a returning standpoint, I know Major Everhart had a, a great return against Colorado, great kick returning against Colorado. That's all I can really think about as far as returns go. And, you know, J.P. Richardson, it's more as a punt returner. He's more like, okay, let's just find a way to catch the football, get our offense on the field. Um, he's not somebody that's super explosive in that regard. And so if you can find a way to get some hidden points on defense by either scoring on defense by forcing turnovers or getting short fields by forcing turnovers, that's going to be a big key. It should be a great atmosphere for as long as the TCU players allow it to be because it's a night game, packed house. TCU's had success against Texas. This is a game in the past where they've surprised people. Uh, but it starts with, you know, the keys, red zone efficiency. Can you hold Texas to field goals? Can you on your own score touchdowns? forcing turnovers, getting finding a way to get hidden points. And can you run the football with Monty Bailey? That's something you haven't done well in a while. Can you find a way to do that effectively again and put your offense in second and third and manageable? Because when you do that, your whole playbook's open, and that hopefully helps your offense fly in a little bit because you're not as predictable. It's not as obvious what's a run situation, what's a pass situation. You can be multiple. You can do some more off-the-beaten-path things that gives you an advantage because the defense doesn't always know and isn't always able to key in on, okay, this is what they're trying to do. And so that's going to be a huge key for this uh, for this TCU football team in this game moving forward. Frogs, Texas, this Saturday night. When we come back, um, a, a potential transfer could be on the move that TCU is reportedly interested in or there's some chatter that there is uh, – Maybe an opportunity for TCU to get there. That's coming up next here on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. I do want to talk about prize picks, though. Prize picks is the place to go if you want to play daily fantasy sports. If you're watching on YouTube, um, you see the uh, the promo code there, prizepicks.com slash lockdown college. They have a great deal going on right now. Prizepicks.com slash lockdown college. Go there today and you can get 20 uh, or a deposit match of up to $100. So you, know, you put $10 in the pot there, you can get um, an opportunity to get that matched up to $100, which is a fantastic deal that Prize Picks has going on right now. Um, the basketball season is here as well, so it's not just the NFL. You can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections. 
that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So, for example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey add a combo of 10 and a half of three-pointers made plus reception. So if you think LeBron's going to you know, hit some threes from beyond the arc and they're going to find a way to feed Travis Kelsey again, you can go in on some of those um, combo picks in the specialty tab. Again, that's a specials league. Uh, test your skills on the prize picks uh, app this season, and you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. It's really simple to play. You can make picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. Again, it's a lot of those just kind of over-under stat projections. And so you're not betting on, you know, money lines on games or that type of thing. It's just about, you know, finding the right players in the right day. That could work. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash college. Promo code is LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks. They are the place to go for daily fantasy, and we thank them for being a sponsor here of the Lockdown Network. So here's some news that came down Sunday night, and I mean, it's nothing to watch in the immediate future. It's really a projection for later on um, in the offseason, but there's a new phenomenon now, and I'm sure a lot of people aren't fans of it. And I, I mean, I personally kind of have my own issues with it too, but it's it's a world we live in with, you know, more player autonomy than ever. And um, you'll see guys kind of shut down and, and not play out the rest of the season. And so Eric McAllister, who's a receiver currently at Boise State, he has already announced his intentions um, to transfer from the Broncos program. He's a redshirt sophomore. And this year he's led the team with 47 catches for 873 yards and five touchdowns. He was on the Blitnikoff Award a watch list, which is given to the top wide receiver in the country. He had eight catches for 85 yards in his last game um, against Fresno State. He's going to be away from the team. He can't officially enter the portal until uh, December 4th. And Andy Avalos said on his transfer of the program, it's part of the beast of the transfer portal. Obviously, it's part of college football right now to go into the transfer portal. You know there's teams enticing people to do such uh, things like this. It's the nature of the beast right now. Um, to each their own. And so Eric is saying, hey, I'm, I'm planning on being in the transfer portal. I'm not going to take, you know, any more risk at this time with Boise State, and I'll be moving on. That portal opens on December 4th. But I saw this report on Twitter earlier this week. This is from uh, John Mallory, who's a radio host in Boise, Idaho, uh, for Cumulus Media. He says, and this is a quote from B.J. Raines, who covers Boise State as well, the school that I keep hearing and to keep an eye on is TCU. And again, that's BJ Reigns on the future of wide receiver Eric McAllister. And McAllister is from Azel originally. And so, you know, he has ties here. He's a Fort Worth area kid. Um, big opportunity to come play power five football after excelling at the group of five level and was fantastic this year when he played. I mean, 47 catches, 873 yards, five touchdowns. Um, the year before that, 11 receptions. 259 yards and four touchdowns. So it's shown a notch or an ability, excuse me, to find a way to get in the end zone, Um, shown a knack to get in the end zone. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, And has done that across his career. He's having a really good season this year. So it would make a ton of sense if he ends up at TCU. I mean, you just, you have that local connection playing at Azel. Um, You come over and, and you join the Frogs roster 
And that would be a slam dunk. Now, I do think this also opens up an interesting conversation around TCU strategy in the portal this year. Because a couple of years ago, they were super successful. I mean, guys like Johnny Hodges, Jared Wiley, um, Mark Perry, Josh Newton, others were instrumental on the national championship team. All those guys are still here. And then this past year, a lot of the guys they took chances on the cycle, I would say, weren't successful. Now, you did have – like, I think Gabriel Helm was – ended up being – has ended up being a great player for TCU. Um, and then you had some wide receivers that didn't pan out or haven't panned out. Some of that's due to injury. But, you know, Dalen Wright's still banged up. He's not going to play this week. Same for Warren Thompson um, and Trey Sanders. We, we kind of know who he is. He hasn't had many touches over the last few weeks. Uh, there's just a number of guys that you felt like, okay, Tommy Brockermeyer. So people have asked me about Tommy Brockermeyer. He's dealing with an injury right now. That's why he's not playing. And I think TCU kind of projected him as more of a project anyway, but that's, you know, the scoop on where he's been and why he's not effectively in the lineup week in and week out. But you had a lot of players that you thought could be big contributors that it just hasn't worked out this particular season. Um, now McAllister has been effective at the group of five level. And at the moment, I mean, on paper, there's talent in that wide receiver room, but the production has not been there. Now you got some young guys like DJ Allen and Cordell Russell that haven't hit the field yet that I'd love to see. But I mean, we'll see what happens with Jalen Robinson and, and um, Dalen Wright and others. But uh, to this point, there's no clear leader. And so I think going and getting a guy like McAllister would make a lot of sense because, you know, you, you put him in the mix there and you see if he's the player that kind of emerges as the go-to guy going into next season. That being said, I think this is a nice piece of the puzzle if they're able to land him. And we're still, you know, a long way from that happening or even that looks like if it happens. But I think it would be a nice piece of the puzzle if it happens. I feel like the real priority, though, and I'm not saying don't go after it, McAllister – Go get him. If he's available and he wants to be here, I think it's a great fit. The priority, though, in my mind, also has to be you got to get better up front. I mean, just – and I know they're, they've gone heavy on offensive and defensive line in these last two classes, a lot of more developmental projects, but players that you hope can see the field maybe as early as next year, more realistically, though, probably two seasons from now. Um, but you're going to need impact players because you're losing Brandon Coleman and Andrew Coker most likely. Um, I'm not sure what the story will be with Willis Patrick. John Lance will moving on. And so you're going to be shuffling this offensive line group around again. And you need some veterans who come in and play. And it, it's tough. I mean, it's competitive. Like, everybody needs help at those positions. But O-line and D-line, you're going to need vets that can come in and contribute immediately. And you, you kind of swung and miss on, on some of the players you brought in this year. Uh, I still believe in Colton Deary for what it's worth. I just think you know, he's he's getting used to playing power five football week in and week out. Um, but you have to get better at those positions too. But Eric McAllister's a name to know. I mean, I'd be excited if they find a way to get him. It would make a ton of sense, and he was super productive at Boise State. And so we'll see what he can do uh, moving forward here at TCU. When we come back, I'll hit some of your reactions to the last few shows. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. All right, FanDuel. You need to download the FanDuel app today. Also, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Fantastic offer that I've told you about before, but you need to hear it again. 
All you have to do is put down a $5 money line bet. And if you win, you'll get $150 in bonus bets. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5, any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Again, that app is super easy to use, and they have a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. They are the name to know when it comes to uh, sports wagering. And you can go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, put down a $5 money line bet. If you win, you'll get $150 in bonus bets. Also, download that safe, secure, and easy-to-use app. NFL going on right now. Uh, also, NBA, the NHL is back in action. FanDuel, they are the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. And we thank them for their uh, involvement here on the Lockdown Network. So I always love hearing from you guys, whether it's in the YouTube comments or, uh, you know, Twitter, whatever the case may be. So want to hit a few um, submissions or just thoughts that people had. Uh, DW Cardwell said his expectations for this group had little to do with last year's CFP team. It had a lot to do with the offseason hype, by the way, of Sonny. And he believes in Sonny. He went on to say uh, that he thinks they don't do the little things well. And he thinks the lack of work goes back to February. And they had quite a bit of feeling good about themselves this offseason, well-deserved, but there was still work left to be had. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I mean, I think it's tough. I, I try to steer clear of, like, talking about people's motivation or work ethic because I'm not in the room every day, right? Like, I I, I just I don't get to see, you know, um, what's going on in the weight room, how much they're working. But it, it definitely appears, you know, for, as an outsider looking in, it appears like a team that you, you would think would have a chip on their shoulder and would want to prove so much after last year. And they just don't. I mean, they, they simply don't. And I mean, Sonny has said this a few times. He's accused the team and he's blamed the coaching staff for this, but he's accused the team of not being ready to play and just kind of thinking like, well, I mean, I, I guess we thought we could just roll in here and win. Um, that's a pretty crazy indictment of this group that they just, they felt that way. And, you know, I mean, I get it. Like there was a ton of uh, good vibes around the program last year. It's easy to buy into that. It's easy to kind of get to a place where you're like, well, maybe we don't need to buy in as much. Um, and it's hard to argue that that happened at least to a certain extent, not that it's a complete and total explanation for why they are where they are. But uh, man, I mean, you would think that this team would have, um, you know, a, a more of a kind of a screw you attitude. And they, they just haven't had it this season. And it showed on the field um, week in and week out. Uh, Jim Norris says, someone please explain to me why the coaches couldn't attract a top flight quarterback after playing for a national championship. Also a top offense coordinator. Uh, why did Sonny think Morris was any good? Gary emphasized toughness which we were last year when he still had Patterson guys. Um, we need help on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the toughness hasn't been there as, as evident this year. I'd agree with that. I think, you know, the quarterback thing, I don't have a great answer for you. The best explanation I can give is I don't feel like the coaching staff was actively telling people this, but the transfers that were looking at the, the program probably thought, well, Chandler Morris is going to be the guy and, I'm not going to come here if I'm not going to have a chance to really compete and start. 
Um, you know, we I've kind of gone wrung my hands with the whole Chandler Morris discourse. I, I think he struggled this year. Uh, I don't feel like it's entirely his fault, but it obviously hasn't worked out. And, you know, it feels like the coaching staff kind of misevaluated what he can do and what he does well going into the season. And the offense doesn't have much of an identity. And there's reasons for that. But I think the biggest thing is you're just not very good up front and they haven't been um, effective in, in working around that. Uh, Zoom plays says they're going to beat Texas, bro. Hey, I love it. I love the confidence. Um, I hope that's, you know, I hope that's the case and I will, I will gladly take it if they find a way to pull it off. Uh, CFB fan says basketball from both men's and women's look good. I guess it's basketball season now. Um, yeah, I mean, like they, they look solid and I was, I was happy with the effort that both teams gave in game one. So we'll follow that closely. You know, it'll mainly, the coverage of those teams will be mainly in segment three during football season, but we're here all football. So we're here all basketball season long. And uh, I'm super impressed with the talent level that Jamie brought in and the transfer class this year and the high school class that he's put together for this upcoming year looks really impressive. Well, some momentum for the basketball program this offseason um, for sure. Coming up tomorrow, uh, crossover edition with Jonathan Davis from Lockdown Longhorns. We'll have plenty of you know more thoughts about this game between TCU and Texas. Lockdown Horn Frogs, it's your team every day.